Welcome to the Lego Creatives Podcast. I'm Tessa Manuno, founder and CEO of Lego Creatives, and I am so excited to have you with me for episode three of the Lego Creatives Podcast. In today's episode, I'm gonna to talk to you about a special Lego design trick that I really like to use and that I encourage all of my students to use whenever they apply Lego design. And that is not just a special trick. It is actually something extremely important that is very much not used in the legal design field and at legal creatives we've been working really hard at establishing some standards for legal design and in today's episode i'm really happy to share a little bit about one of these standards that is gonna help you not just convince your client your partners, your colleagues to do legal design, but also they're gonna make you feel so much more confident because you're gonna see that with legal design, you can achieve more successful outcomes. And so in today's episode, I'm gonna be sharing with you this trick and I'm gonna be also prompting you to take some action. Because remember the intention that I have for each episode is to prompt you to take action so you're not just going to be a knowledge taker but you're going to be an action taker and by the way if you feel that this podcast would benefit a friend or a colleague please do share with them about this podcast also if you feel that you would be better with someone to take this podcast journey with me then also please do share with them so they can subscribe to the podcast and take the journey with you. So you can share your insights, you can discuss uh, the episodes, and mostly you can start supporting yourself in the uh, taking of the action that is so critical for you to be more successful at legal design. So again, today I wanna to share about this special trick. A special trick in legal design that is so critical to you success in legal design. What is this special trick? Well, let's just remember and let's just put this in context. We know that legal design is about innovation, that it's about finding new ways to deliver legal services. It's about developing new products that can be sold to clients. It's also about creating new systems that can help us work more effectively. And overall, it's a methodology that is gonna help clients and end users, because they may not be the same. Clients and end users may not be the same. We're not gonna go too much into details for now, but I want you to just remember for now that methodology is gonna help your clients, maybe the end users as well, to really feel that using your legal services, they are actually making progress towards reaching the objectives. Because remember, your client's objectives are not legal objectives. They are businesses' objectives, or maybe they are related to their personal life, they would like to grow, they would like to achieve uh, some kind of objective. Their objectives are not purely legal objectives. That's your job, but that's not the objectives. And so for that reason, 
the trick I'm going to be sharing with you is about measuring the success you're going to be having with your clients and end users by using legal design. Measuring the success. This is so important for a couple of reasons. First, if you, if you don't measure the success, how are you going to know you're actually able to do better with legal design? You won't know if you don't measure the success. Second, once you start measuring, you can track with, in a tangible way with objective criteria the progress you're making using this methodology. And by tracking the progress, you're going to be able to advocate more for the use of the methodology, but also you're going to feel so much more confident because you will actually see that you're making progress. And if you're not making progress, you will be able to know and adjust. Because remember, legal design is an iterative methodology. That means we're constantly adapting and adjusting. And so if you're not making progress, you will be able to know. And without spending too much energy and sometimes money, you will be able to know. And hence, you'll be able to readjust quicker than if you're not using metrics. I mean, using metrics is not groundbreaking per se. We're supposed to use metrics uh, in business, uh, in project management. Uh, we're supposed to use them, but why are we not using them in legal design? Very likely because there has not been yet enough research on the topic in the legal design field. And for that, we have done our research at Legal Creatives. We've developed a set of metrics. And today I would like just to give you a glimpse of what type of, um, what types of metrics you should be tracking so you can be more successful whenever you're going to be ready to implement legal design. All this is not too technical, but I really hope you're going to get something out of this episode and understand the importance of metrics. And for that, I want to say just two things. I want to say just two things before I prompt you to take action for today's episode. First, it's about tracking the success and the outcome and the results you having with a traditional approach. So, for instance, let's take an example to make it easier. Contracts. Let's say you work in contracts. And so your work is to draft contracts and to negotiate contracts, to have contracts signed, and eventually to have contracts executed. So how long will it take you to draft the contract? How long will it take the parties to negotiate a contract? How long will it take the parties to sign the contract? And how long will it take them to execute the contracts? So the typical metrics that would make perfect sense in the contractual sphere that you can easily track right now. You can easily track those metrics. How long does it take you to draft the contract? How long does it take to negotiate the contract? How long does it take to have the contract signed and then to have it executed? 
And then you can put all of those figures together and then you have the total number that you are able to reach using traditional practice. Now, let's say we're moving towards legal design. Let's picture yourself very soon doing legal design. Or maybe you're already doing legal design and great. Then now I'm gonna prompt you to measure your success using legal design, using the exact same metrics. This is really important. Use the exact same metrics in order to track your success using legal design. That way you can measure the before and the after. Before legal design, it took say 22 days to get the contract drafted, negotiated, signed and execute. After legal design, it took 12 days. I'm just like giving a number just to show you how this works. And then you can say we're saving 10 days using legal design. That way you can do a couple of really interesting things. With those metrics, you can advocate for the use of legal design in your organization because you have tangible proofs that legal design is actually an effective methodology. Second, you're gonna feel much more confident and much more influential because you have tangible metrics that are supporting the use of legal design. But also, you're gonna be able to show to your clients that they're gonna also benefit from legal design. So it's not just about you or your organization benefiting from it, but also, and mostly the client. Because remember, legal design is a user-centric methodology. And so what are those metrics you will have to track? Well, it really depends on the context. It really depends on the subject matter. At Legal Creatives, we have some metrics that we do share with our members, depending on the subject matter they are interested. But overall, overall, what is really important is not just about tracking quantitative metrics, but it's also about tracking qualitative metrics, such as client's satisfaction. I think legal design is probably one of the greatest methodology in order to enhance client satisfaction. And so you can measure client's happiness with legal design, without legal design. And when I talk about client, I don't just mean your immediate client, I mean the person who's actually gonna be engaging with the document or the product and the system you're creating for them. That means the end user. And I think I'm gonna have to create a very special episode on the difference between the client and the end user. So you can really understand what I mean by that. But the end user, let's take the example of the contract. If the end user is an employee that is a construction worker that may not have uh, a lot of education um, and that is busy working on the field, uh, you know, building houses or, you know, bridges or whatever, well, this person is certainly not a lawyer. And for this person to understand the contract in a traditional way, that may be difficult. And whenever the person, I'm not just talking about employee's contract, it could be the contract for the construction of a, of a hotel, of an infrastructure, a hospital, whatever. What's important is to 
understand that the person who's actually going to engage with the contract is not necessarily the legal department. Yes, the legal department is going to engage with the contract, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the construction worker who's on the field, who does not necessarily have a lot of education, certainly not a legal education, and how do they feel about the contract before legal design and the contract after? I guarantee they're very likely, if you do a good job at legal design, very likely going to enjoy the legal design contract because it's going to be easier for them to understand, hence to take action and to use the contract as a tool to do the job better. So this is also about measuring qualitative, uh, qualitative instruments, not just focusing on, uh, on quantitative metrics, but also qualitative metrics. And so what I want you to do is I really want you to start tracking the numbers. Uh, for instance, if you work in contract, track the numbers. How much does it take to do all of this process? And once you will get to do legal design, or if you do legal design already, then track the numbers after legal design. Make a comparison. Start to have those charts where you compare before and after, and even start publishing it uh, online, of course, not mentioning any confidential information, but just saying, hey, we have knowledge that before legal design, it used to take such amount of time, and after, this is how much time it took. And not only that, but this is the feedback we get from a qualitative perspective from the end user. Bam, you got it. You got your case study ready for more legal design. Again, I don't want to advocate just for legal design, but I know from experience, it works. When you apply the methodology well, it works. You're constantly making sure that you are improving the systems. You are improving them in a way that is going to meet the needs of the client. So for sure, legal design is a great methodology. It works. Now, let's make sure that you're going to be starting to track those measures, those metrics in your practice. So start making a list of items that you believe are relevant, that you need to track. And whenever you're ready to do legal design, or if you do legal design, I would like you to compare the results and let me know how it goes, I would love to hear. Now in the next episode, we're gonna talk more about the skills and the thinking that is related to legal design. But before I do so, I wanna acknowledge you for being here. I'm so thankful and grateful that you're part of this journey. It means a lot to me. If you like this podcast, please leave a review. Uh, let me know, let others know how you like this um, and how you're feeling right now. And it would be great for it would be great if you were to let me know. I would really appreciate it. So I'll see you for the next episode. And until then, I will uh, wish you my best creative success at making, building your case for legal design. I'll see you in the next episode.